welcome to the broadcast of Crosstown Church of Memphis. We are a church that is Christ-centered, diversity-driven, and community-committed. A church that's bringing people together, sharing God's message of hope, love, and service. We seek to love God, love people, and serve the city. We welcome you to our broadcast with Pastor Byron Fitzpatrick. Well, again, welcome to Crosstown Church of Memphis. Thank you guys for joining us today. We hope that you are having a great day so far. We are continuing, actually we are closing this teaching series that we started a few weeks ago, which is titled Finding Direction. And if you're taking, so we're on part four today, so if you're taking notes, the subtitle is, is, is titled, Let's Go. Amen, somebody say, let's go. Let's go. Amen, let's go. So we are, are in closing this, uh, this, this teaching series, which is titled Final Direction. Uh, you know, today, you know, in today's world, it seems like it is so hard to pe- for people to figure out which direction God wants them to go. It's hard for people to figure out what decisions, what choices they need to make. Because we all want to be pleasing to God. We all want to do what God wants us to do. But in our life, in this in this 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 journey that we're on, you know, there's so, with so many different options and so many different choices that we have to make, you know, on a daily basis. And then at different seasons in our lives, we have to make these, you know, big decisions. And 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 we want to make sure that we are doing what God wants us to do. We want to make sure that we are going in the right direction that God wants us to go. Amen. We're not talking about making everyday decisions like you know how we're going to style our hair today, or what clothes we're going to wear, or what we're going to eat today, or you know. A things like that. We're talking about decisions that are impacting our lives and decisions that are possibly impacting the lives of other people as well. Amen. So I hope that through this series that you have learned some ways to make the decision making process much easier in your life. You know, so my whole desire, my whole purpose was to give us some practical tools that we can use so that when we're making these decisions, when we're trying to figure out what God wants us to do, we can use these things to help us in a practical way to figure out if this is what God wants us to do. You know, if this is something that the Holy Spirit is leading us to do, I believe that this has been a huge help to some of us. I believe that this has been a huge help to some of you as you have probably been facing in your life over the last few months, uh, you know, in, in recent time, you have probably been facing some decisions that you've been trying to figure out which direction to go. You've been trying to figure out what decision do you need to make because you want to make sure that you're making the right decision for yourself. You want to make sure that you're making the right decision for your family and also a decision that's pleasing to God. Decisions, you have a strong feeling that possibly the whole Holy Spirit is doing what? Pushing you or compelling you to make, you know, decisions that you may, uh, 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 decisions that you, you know, you may look at could be changing the direction of your life. When in fact, they might not be changing, changing the direction of your life. They could be leading you to your next step. 
So a lot of times when we get to this place of trying to figure out which direction we go or trying to make these decisions, we look at them and like, man, if I do this, if I do this, it's just going to change the whole direction of my life, the whole traje- trajectory of which the direction that I was going. It's going to change everything. In fact, it may not necessarily be the changing of the direction of your life. It very well could just be the next step. Amen. And so here, here's something that you need to know. Something that you need to know. So if you're taking notes today, write this down. It says, to step into your destiny. We all have a destiny, amen? To step into your destiny, you may have to do what? You may have to step away from your security. You may have to step away from that place that you have found comfort in. You may have to step away from that place that you feel okay, you feel good, everything's right. I, 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 mean, I used to teach people all the time, especially like in leadership classes and stuff. Uh, you know, people say, you know, uh, things, they, some of my leaders used to tell me this. They say, Pastor Byron, Pastor Byron, you always changing stuff. You always changing stuff. Why are you always changing stuff? They say, everything's good right now. You know, and one guy used to always say to me, he said, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. I was like, I, I'm not satisfied with good. I'm looking for better. I'm looking for greatness. There's a, just because things are going good right now, can I make it better? Is there any type of way we can make this better? Is there any type of way can be, we can be more efficient? Is, can we reach more people? Can we do more stuff? There's something bigger, something better out there. I don't care if things are good, so here's the deal. You, you may have a, your destiny is just not a good destiny. Your destiny is a great destiny. In order for you to step into your destiny, you may have to leave that place of security Security, that place of comfort, that place that you think is good, that you feel like is good in order to get you to a place of what? A place of greatness. Amen. We all are constantly facing change in our life and change. If you're taking notes, write this down. Change is the evidence of life. If you're not changing, you're not growing. If you're not changing, you're not experiencing new things. If you're not changing, you're not getting to the next level. If you're not changing, you're not elevating. You're just staying where you at. Eventually, things that stay where they're at, they will slowly begin to what? They will start to digress. They will start to die. You can put a plant on the table and you can put some water in that plant and put it under the sun, right? But I don't care all day. You can put that plant under the sun all day long. But if it's not being watered, I don't care how much sunlight that plant's getting, it's going to die. Change is the evidence of life. If you want to keep growing, you must be willing to change. Take a step in the right direction, taking a step in the right direction, it lead and leading you. It requires you to do what? It requires you to change your current position. You want to go in the right direction, right? You're trying to figure out what decision you need to make, right? In order to go in the right direction, making the right decision, you have to do what? Change your position. You follow on a GPS, right? You can be on a straight road, GPS. Eventually, guess what? You got to change direction. At some point, the GPS is going to tell you, okay, he's going to turn up here. Okay, what you going to do? You going to keep straight or you going to turn? You have to change your direction, change your position. Amen. Your current positioning is a place of comfort. Your current position is a place of security. Maybe now is the time to you, for you to leave that place for you to experience what? The next thing. Are you ready to experience the next thing in your life? Are you ready to go to the next level in your life? For so many people, it's the start that stops them. 
People want to experience more. People want to go to the next level. But it's the start that stops them. It's the unknown. It's the, it's, it's the, it's the fear of what's, what's, what's coming up next. What, what, what is it? I, I don't, because guess what? We talked about this uh, last week and we pull it. It's the details. We don't have all the details. And because we don't have all the details, we get scared of making decisions, right? And, and, and some people, it's, it's, it's the starting point. It's the starting place that stops them. Amen? You want something but you don't know how to start. I mean, I mean, I, it's, you know, we want to lose weight, right? <laughs> we don't know how to start. <laughs> you know what I mean? We don't know how to start. You know, we, we want to, we, we, there's a lot of things that we want, but the, but the, the, the struggle is starting. Amen? You can never finish anything if you don't start. Write that down. If you, want, you, if you want to finish something, you have to start. There's a starting line to everything, right? We, we got to go somewhere. I pray that through, this, through uh, this last week's lesson that, you know, you are gaining the faith. We're talking about this supernatural faith. I prayed it through last week's message that you're gaining the faith and the confidence to start something new in your life. Amen? Amen. Amen. Our last teaching series you know, we were talking about, we was looking at the story about this guy by the name of Nehemiah. You know, the teaching series was titled The Good Work. And in The Good Work, this guy Nehemiah, we talked about him, how he was a cupbearer for the king of Persia. And uh, he was a Jew, but the Jews had been in exile. They was in captivity in Babylonia for, for, for like 140 years or so. And they, now the captivity was over, but so many of the Jews were still in exile. They're not back in their, their, their land, the, uh, land of Israel. They're not back in Judah. They're not back in Jerusalem. And so some of the people, after the captivity was over, some of the people went back to Jerusalem, you know, to go back to their native land. But when they got there, they found that the city of Jerusalem, the temple, everything, the wall, everything had been destroyed because of war. Amen. So for 140 years, this torn down city, this torn down nation because of war just been sitting there and just decaying. And so when these people go back there, they're trying to rebuild the city. They're trying to reestablish their homeland and re rebuild the temple and everything, but they don't have the resources. They don't have the manpower to do this. So they're struggling to try to re 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 rebuild the city. Amen. And Nehemiah, his brothers and his brother and one of his, uh, his brother's friends went there to visit. They came back and Nehemiah's like, hey, how's things going with the rebuilding in Jerusalem? They said, it ain't good, man. It's, it's bad. They struggling. It, it's terrible. They need some help bad, you know. And it broke Nehemiah's heart. And when it broke his heart, he just began to fast and he began to pray. He went to God. God, he said, we got to do something. We got to do something about this situation. And, and I'm not going to go through that whole story again, but we know that what Nehemiah did, he prayed and he asked God, he said, God, give me favor with the king. And he went, that's the, that's the only thing he asked God for. He said, give me favor with the king, amen? And he would go to the king. The king sees that something is bothering him. King said, Nehemiah, what's going on? He told him his situation about his people in Jerusalem. And the king said, uh, what can I do to help? I'm glad you asked, amen? <laughs> I'm glad you asked, amen? Don't ask me a question like that, right? Because I'm, I'm, hey, I remember one time when me and, Mar when me and Marguerite first got married. Don't, I'm telling y'all, you, you ask me something, I'm going to give it to you. Me and Marguerite, when we first got married, right, and we came to Memphis, and my, you get, some of you, you are, I remember a few weeks ago, uh, we was in Atlanta and my uncle had passed away. So this aunt and this uncle, uh, we came to Memphis. I don't even know why we was here, but anyway, they was here and we all went out to eat, right? 
We go out to eat. As we were sitting there at dinner uh, at a restaurant, my aunt and uncle, we were newlyweds, and they said, they said, hey, uh, we didn't get y'all a wedding gift. What do you guys want? I said, uh, a car? <laughs> I said, a car? You know, they were like, a car? Oh, Lord, we can't get you no car. You got to come. You got to come. You got uh, you to come back. You got to come down with that, you know? I said, okay, so let me start. What, what do we need, Margaret? What do we need, Margaret? And I don't know if her, she, or I said it, but one of us said, well, we need a microwave. You know what I'm saying? And I was like, okay, we'll get your microwave then. So after we got done eating, we went to the store and uh, they bought us a darn good water, a, a darn good microwave, not just no little cheap one. They got a nice, man, we kept that dog on microwave for like 20 years, man. <laughs> but Nehemiah, the king said, Nehemiah, what can I do to help? Nehemiah, I'm glad you asked. He said, let me go to Jerusalem and help rebuild the city. King said, okay, how long is it gonna take? Okay. He said, go. He said, okay, King, I also need something else. He said, can you write me a letter of passage so I can be safe in my travel? Can you also write the surrounding nations and tell them to donate some building materials because they ain't got nothing there. They need some help. You know, can, can, you, can you do this for me, King? King said, oh, yes, uh, granted. It's, say no more. What did they say? Say less? Say less. All right. So, nearby he goes and as the story goes, he helps them to rebuild the city and starting with the gates and then the walls of the city and then so on and so on. Nehemiah, his heart was broken because of something about his people. His heart was broken because he saw the distress that they, they were in. His heart was broken because he saw that they needed some help. And, and who better to help? Somebody has to do something, right? So he said, who better to help than me? I, 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 I can do this. Nehemiah wasn't no carpenter. He wasn't, he, he, he wasn't no general contract. What was Nehemiah? He didn't know how to build no walls. He didn't know how to build no temple. He didn't know how to build no streets and roads. He didn't know how to lay no plumbing, doing no electrical work or anything like that. What was Nehemiah? A cupbearer. The man walked around all day long with a towel over his hand and waiting for people to bring drinks out so he could test it and taste it and make sure ain't no poison in it so he don't fall dead. And if he don't fall dead, then the king ain't gonna fall dead. The man was a cupbearer. What did he know about rebuilding a city? but he was willing. I can do this. I can do this. He said, he said what? Subtitle of our lesson today is what? Let's go. Nehemiah said, let's go. There are some things in your life right now that the Holy Spirit may be compelling you to do. Uh, maybe something, some things you've been dealing with over the last few months. He's been pushing you. There's been this urge. There's something in you where he's been pushing you. We talked about last week, the Apostle Paul said, I am compelled by the Holy Spirit to go to Jerusalem, to leave Ephesus and go to Jerusalem. I don't know what's going to happen there. I, don't, I just know that there's some opposition laying ahead, but all I care about is doing God's will. He, he, Nehemiah was like, I don't, I don't know how to do this thing, but all I know is I got to do something. I'm going, I'm going. The Holy Spirit is compelling some of you to do something, to do something, to do something different, to do something big. Guess what? It may not, just like I just said earlier, it may not be changing the direction of your life. It could very well be just leading you into the next step in your life. Amen. So today I want to ask a question. And I, I want to ask a big question, amen? Big question. And that is, how do you start? 
How do you start? We've been talking about making decisions and we were talking about some practical application on helping us to figure out how to make the right decision, how to figure out the right direction. You know, finding the direction is the title of the lesson, amen. We, we want to find the right direction. We want to be pleasing to God. We want to follow the Holy Spirit, follow God. We want to make sure the decisions that we're making are good for ourselves, good for our families, and possibly then the people that is possibly going to impact as well, amen. We want to make the right decision, amen. And so hopefully these applications throughout this series have been giving you that, but here's one of the things. You can have of all the application in the world, but man, sometimes it's a struggle just to do what? Start. Start. I remember we was uh, at the church that we were at in, in Des Moines, um, uh, the church that I got saved in, the church that Marguerite grew up in, and um, um, I, there was a building fund going on for years, long before I got there. Been going, y'all know about them building funds, right? <laughs> they go a lifetime, right? <laughs> and I remember one time, man, there was like a church meeting going on, man. A lot of people were talking about the building fund, and and you know there was some land that we had we had acquired some land that was like just a few blocks away, you know what I mean? And 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 you know it was just lingering and lingering and lingering. And lingering. I remember this dude stood up in the meeting. He said, "Man, just dig a hole." <laughs> he just yelled out to me, "Just dig a hole." He said, "Man, if you dig a hole, they'll come." You know what I mean? And he was he was it was at the place where he was just tired because it was all this going, all this planning, all this raising money and everything, talking and meetings and stuff. But ain't no hole been built yet. Ain't no hole. Ain't nobody took the first shovel and dug a hole. Just dig a hole. You know what I mean? So sometimes it's the start. So how do you start? Is the question, amen? How do you get to that place where you say, let's go? I remember September 11th. Some of you are old enough to remember September 11th, amen, 2001. I remember taking, uh, getting up in the morning and getting my kids dressed and getting them off to school. And as I'm getting my kids off to school, my youngest one, Tia, was it Tia? Yeah, I think it was Tia. Was Tia born in 2001? <laughs> 1999. 1999, so it must have been Tia then. So I got Dion and Nini off to school, and Tia, I had to go take her to the daycare. This lady, one of our ladies in our church, she lived in our neighborhood. So I was taking Tia to her house. Soon as I walked through the door in this lady's house, and I got Tia, you know, a little bit, babe, I'm dropping her off for her. All of a sudden, the news came, come on, and bam! This plane just runs straight straight into the tower and on the World Trade Center. And I'm standing there like, we, and, and the lady standing there, we're like, what in the world just happened here? You know, and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. You know, some of y'all remember this, right? And and, and, and so it, the, to, the, those attacks, then a few minutes later, another plane hit the other tower, right? The whole world just froze for a second. Everybody in the entire world was standing in front of a TV somewhere. The whole world, not just the United States, the whole world, frozen, looking at the TV, man. Everybody glued to it. Then uh, 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 some time later, you know, 30 minutes or something like that later, another plane crashed in the Pentagon. You know, and then shortly after that, there was another crash that took place in a field in Pennsylvania. They were trying to figure out that plane had been hijacked too. And the people on that plane, that, that they, they took over the plane, and the people on the plane, they started panicking, and you know, people, was, people got on their phones, you know you ain't supposed to have a cell phone on the, on the plane, right? People got on their phones, they would call 911 dispatchers, they would call their families, people, the people, there's, there's recordings, actual recordings right now. You can go to them and look them up and listen to people calling their family and leaving voicemails. There's one lady, she called her husband, her baby, honey, please pick up if you can, if you hear this. She said, I don't, our plane has been hijacked. I don't know if we're going to make out of this, but tell the kids I love them. And she said, I'm trying to stay calm, but they, they've taken over the plane and blah, 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 blah. You know, and there's this one guy 
There's one guy by the name of Todd Beamer. His, his recording became very famous. He called 911. And in his last words, they captured his last words on, on that call before he actually hung up. And he said to some guys, he said, are you guys ready? He said, okay. You know what he said after that? He said, let's roll. He's talking to 911, letting them know the plane been hijacked. We don't know what's going on, you know. And they, they, they as the people are, are calling on the plane, and they, they know that, hey, they hear that the, uh, the World Trade Center has been hit. They hear that the Pentagon has been hit. They know that this thing is not good for them. It does not look good for them at all. A lot of these people have already established that this is, they're going to die. So whatever they got to do, they got to do it, all right? This guy called 911, he said, he said, and then after he, before he hangs up, he said, are you guys ready? They said, okay, let's roll. And they charged the, the hijackers and ended up crashing that plane in the field. That plane was headed to DC, it was going to hit, they, they, they stopped, it was going to hit the White House or the, the, the Capitol, the National Capitol in DC. Something drove that guy to a place where he said, let's go. Let's go. We got to do this, y'all. We, can, we just can't sit by. We just can't watch this. We hear what's going on out here. It, this, this may be my last day. I mean, if I just sit here, it's going to be my last day anyway. So if I'm going to do something, I'm going to go out the way I want to go out. I, I got, I'm taking control over this thing. Let's go. Let's go. So when I ask the question, how do you start something big? I want to clarify myself when I say something big, all right? Something big might be starting your own business. Brianna, I don't know how the details of this, but you know, y'all opened up, I don't know who y'all is, but y'all opened up a, a, a restaurant, you know, this weekend, you know what I mean? So you might, be, you might be thinking about starting your own business. You know, what, what's, what's something big? Something big could be that promotion that you've been wanting to get on your job, but you just not have, you haven't applied for it yet. Or maybe you just want to uh, uh, go a whole different direction in your career. You know, people are always making decisions when it comes to their career, you know, to go in a different direction, you know, for whatever reason, you know, maybe, you know, uh, this thing, it could be, you know, finally buying that house that you've been talking about for so long. You've been talking about it for a long time, but you just haven't started yet. You know, you've been talking about, you know, maybe having another child. I'm not speaking into nobody's life, okay? I'm not prophesying, but <laughs> maybe somebody's been talking about it. <laughs> you know, it could be starting something that God has put on your heart to do. So God has put something on your heart to do, and you know that that thing has been there for some time now. It may have been there for some years now. Starting something. Maybe it's to write a book. You know, I I, 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 I Conviction time, or conviction and confession time. God has given me multiple books and I ain't wrote not one of them yet. I'm guilty. As a matter of fact, the other day I wrote down, I wrote down on my phone, I got a, a, a note keeper in my phone. And if I pull it right now and I scroll through it, you'll, you'll see all kinds of stuff. I, I'm just, just, just list of all kinds. Something, I, I, get a, I get a thought, I get a, something I feel like God put on my heart, just I write it down because I don't want to forget it. And the other day, I wrote down a book that God told me to write. I just felt it. I just felt God say, write, write it down, Byron. Don't forget that one. Write it down. Something big. What is it? I ain't the only one. 
I know, I know y'all sitting here. There's some things in your life. What is that big thing? When I say big, I'm talking about something that the Holy Spirit might be compelling you to do. How do you start something big? How do you move forward to that place? How do you get yourself to the place where you say, let's go? For so many people, it's the starts that the start that keep people from doing anything. If you don't start, you will never finish. You have to start. So what I'm going to do today, bring how much time I got left. I'm going to bring this to a close one. And then and that's not scratch that. That ain't my close yet. <laughs> I got two thoughts I want to share with you guys today, okay? Two thoughts on how do we start, okay? Two thoughts to help us to get to that place of let's go, all right? So here's thought number one. Thought number one is this. Start with something small. Start with something small. Too often we make the mistake of starting, trying to start big, you know? Trying to get a good start. You know, they say it's not the way you start, but how you finish, right? But what happened is we try to make the starting be the, 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 the big thing. You know, the starting is like the, the big lights and the, and, and the, the, the pyrotechnics and the, the banners and all, all the fireworks and everything. That's the start, right? You know, start with something small. Start small. Don't start with big, big, you know, uh, uh, you start... By starting with something small, here's the thing that you have to understand. We talked about this in uh, another one of our, actually in uh, The Good Work. This was a scripture that we use in here. And that's the book of Zechariah, chapter 4 and verse 10. It says this, do not despise small beginnings. For the Lord do what? The Lord rejoices to see the work begin. The start. The start. Amen. He rejoices to see the start. He's excited about seeing the start, amen? Don't be embarrassed or ashamed about starting with something small. Don't, don't, don't let something, don't. So often we're worried about what other people think, how other people are gonna see this. We're worried about how they're gonna judge us, you know? And, 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 and don't worry about that, because guess what? The Bible says here that who? The Lord rejoices. I don't care what other people think. We shouldn't care what other people think, but we do. So we always want to start big because if we start big, then guess what? We feel like if we start big, if we start with a bang, then the people will rally behind us and we got their strong support. Amen. And the whole time God is saying, uh, dude, chill out, man. You don't need all that stuff. That's, that's too much. Just start with something small over here. I got your back. Amen. God said, I'm rejoicing to see you start. Do not despise the small beginnings. Amen. So often people, they get caught up with what other people think. You know, there was there's this viral meme that's been going around for some time now with this dude. You know, he was saying, think big, think big. You know, his teeth all messed up and everything. Think big, think big. I ain't going to say the rest of the stuff he's been saying. But anyway, <laughs> you know, well, as encouraging as that may sound, amen, it actually might be more harmful than it is good. It's, it's a very encouraging thing, but it, it might be more harmful than this. This could send the wrong message that your small beginning is not enough and that you need to think big. Think big, not small. Think big, not small. Here's the thing. It's okay to dream big, but start small. Start with the small thing. God does, he said, do not despise the small things. Amen. He is rejoicing over your beginning. God, on the other hand, he is rejoicing over our small beginnings. Who would you rather be pleasing to, people or to God? 
I would rather be pleasing to God. Remember uh, when we celebrated, <coughs> excuse me, remember when we celebrated all of our kids first? We celebrated their first steps. We celebrated their first tooth. That tooth was so crooked and ugly and big, man. <laughs> but we was all happy about that tooth. When that tooth popped through one, it was like, dang, that tooth. But we happy, right? We celebrated their first potty. You know, uh, when they sat, when we potty trained the first poop and pee pee, we celebrated that. We celebrated their first haircut. I remember when Dion got his first haircut, Marguerite saved the hair. Oh my gosh. I remember when they first, when they teeth, they started losing their teeth, their teeth started falling out their mouth. Celebrated that. Marguerite still, we got, still got teeth. We got containers. We got containers with our kids' teeth in it. When their neighbor, neighbor got hard and fell off, psh, saved it. Marguerite got it. Well, I, are you serious? <laughs> we celebrate all of our kids first. The first, the first, when the first day of school, we celebrated taking pictures and everything. You know, we were like, "Ooh, look at my kid." We made sure they were dressed nice and everything, man. We celebrate all of our kids first, amen. You would have thought that that they had conquered the world, man. You would have thought they was a, a superhero, man. They they done did the best thing that they could ever do in their life, man. Now, now. They walking over 2,000 steps a day and you wish they would sit down somewhere. <laughs> you sit your tail down. Man, you know, that now they got 32 teeth in their mouth and they breath stink. Y'all know I'm telling the truth, right? Now they poop and pee all over the time, smelling up the whole house, right? You know, you, you wish they would get a haircut. You would, I be like, boy, I swear sometimes, I be looking at my son, boy, you need to cut your hair, man. You know, we wish they would get a haircut, amen? The celebration has ended. The celebration is we don't celebrate the small. Somehow we've got away from celebrating the small beginnings. The small beginnings. It's like the younger we are, we celebrate, you know, the younger they are or whatever, we celebrate the small beginnings. But as they get older, we forget that stuff. In no, we don't celebrate that stuff no more, man. You got, we celebrate the big stuff now. You know, forget about the small stuff, the big stuff that we celebrate, you know what I'm saying? Kids get a, get a C, man. They've been making D's for a long time. They finally make a C. We don't even celebrate them. That ain't nothing to celebrate. You need to be making A's. It was a progress though, wasn't it? It was, it was a move in the right direction, though, wasn't it? <laughs> We've gotten away from celebrating a small beginning. You know, you want to start something big, start with something small. You don't have to have faith to finish. You just have to have faith to start. Did y'all hear that? Don't put your faith in the finish line. Put your faith in the start. Amen? So number one, Start with something small, all right? Number two is this. The second thought is this. Take the next step. You, you're, you're in a position. We talked about, you gotta make a choice. We talked about that last week. You have to make a decision. Not making a decision is a decision. You gotta make a decision, okay? You gotta plan. You know, the, uh, Proverbs 16 and 9, it says right here, it says a man hard determines his, pl his plans, but who? The Lord directs his step. You got a plan. Put together a plan. If you don't have one, get somebody to help you write a plan. And guess what? As you have a plan, submit it to God. Put it before God. God, here's the plan. 
This is what I feel. This is what I see. This is what's been on my heart. Here's a plan to make a decision going in the right direction that I feel. God, here's my plan. I'm, I'm trusting in you to do what? Direct my steps. You know, last week we talked about uh, uh, the trust, trusting the process, trusting God's proce process. How? One step at a time. One step at a time, not the finish line, just the start. One step, after you get one step, God will give us one step, right? Once we have completed that step, once we have been obedient and completed that step, then he will do what? Show us the next step. We want God to show us five, six, seven, eight, nine steps. God has said, no, I'm just going to give you one step right now. You, you see the one step is very obvious, okay? Do that, obey, complete that step right there. Once you complete that step, then I'll give you step two. It's the process. Trust in the process, amen? Amen. Do it. One step. Take the next step. So the number two thing is to do what? Take the next step. You don't have to know everything. Just know what to figure out what the next step is and take it. Amen. The book of uh, Psalms, chapter 32 and verse eight, eight, it says, this, the Lord says this, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. I'm going to guide you along the best pathway for your life. But he, if you're not stepping, if you're just standing still, he can't guide you. You got to be in motion in order to be guided, right? He will guide, guide you along the best, best pathway for your life. He said, I will advise you. Ooh, if somebody's advising you, that means they're speaking in your ear, right? He said, I'm going to be speaking to you along the way. Don't worry. I got you. I'm going to be speaking to you along the way. And he said, then he goes on, he said, and what? And do what? Watch over you. So guess what? God is, God is guiding you. He's speaking in your ear. And he's looking at the same time. He's looking ahead. All right, here we go, here we go, here we go. I see something coming up there. All right, get ready, we're gonna make a turn. Here we go. All right, got you. <laughs> got you, man. All right, I am a good friend of mine, a pastor friend of mine, he pastors a church in New York City. And uh, he, got a, he got probably the biggest bus ministry uh, in, in New York and uh, the, they be busing kids and doing sidewalk Sunday schools and everything. And I remember I went, to, went there to visit his ministry one time and he was talking and man, he was, he was teaching this class and he said this, something real, real smooth. He said, uh, when he, so he's a pastor. They got like five churches uh, in, in, in the different boroughs of New York. So like I one in the Bronx, Brooklyn, uh, Manhattan, uh, Queens. Uh, so in all the different boroughs, they got one church, right? So like five different churches. And so, but he's the pastor, but he still drives a bus every Saturday, picking up kids, bringing them to uh, Sunday school. Bring them to the because uh, because the children's ministry is so big. So what they do for the for the kids and the teenagers, they have church on Saturdays and then they have church on Sundays for the adults and the families. Okay, so he he said every Sunday the man still drives a bus picking up kids. He need a pastor. So he would, he said he said use this analogy. He said as he driving the bus right, he always tell the kids sit down. All right, sit down. You are gonna fall. All right, sit down, you better brace yourself, you all right? Sit down. All right, so he said you drive the bus, right? You ever been on a city bus before? Y'all, how many people in here old enough that they done rode on a city bus before? I used to, I've been riding city bus since I was 13 years old, probably younger than that. You get on a city bus sometimes, ain't no place to sit, right? Anyway, you gotta hang on to one of them rails, right? You gotta hang on, you better on a bus, man, you just uh, hanging on one of them rails and you just ride along. All of a sudden that bus hit them brakes. <laughs> and what happened? You go flying, what, what? So Bill Wilson was talking about riding on that bus, man. He said sometimes he would see them kids just, just, just 
ain't paying attention, lollygagging, standing up, whatever. And he said, he they hit that brake real fast. See him go flying. I told you, better, better brace yourself. So he be driving all of a sudden. He know he got to make a turn up here. He don't even give him no type of warning. He'll whip that thing real quick. Kids go flying everywhere, you know. <laughs> Sound like abuse, don't it? But anyway, it was fun. But check this out. That's the way God is sometimes. But here's the thing with God. God is, he's warning us. He's telling us. He said, look, I got you. He says, what? I'm going to guide you along the best pathway for your life. He said, I would advise you. I'm going to tell you ahead of time. As we go in, I'm going to be letting you know. And I'm watching. I'm watching over you as all. So as, as God is driving this bus, you just hang on. Brace yourself. I got you. You know what's going to happen. You know when he's going to turn. You know when he's going to step on the brakes. I got you. You know, I remember I had a burden. Uh, and this was a... Uh, a burden. I had a burden to help kids with ADD and ADHD. Um, as our children's ministry was growing, um, we, we was getting a lot of kids with ADD and ADHD and their parents was coming to me, you know, telling me and advising, you know, asking me, you know, how can, how, how, how do they help their kids, you know, with this, what they call it disability. I don't call it disability. I call it a gift. Um, and so, I, didn't, I was like, this stuff was brand new to me. I, I, I didn't know about this, you know what I mean? I remember one time a lady came to me and she gave, she gave me a belt. She's like, Pastor Byron, here's a belt. Well, what's this for? If he act up, just whoop his tail. Oh, girl, you're trying to get me go to jail. You're trying to get me sent to jail. No, I ain't doing that. It was a big, thick leather belt too, boy. <laughs> what? It was an old time belt back in the 50s belt. But, so what I did, it, it just, it just, I just had a burden. It, it, it was something that just began to break my heart, right? And so I sought out the best person in the city that did treatment with kids with ADD and ADHD. And um, she was uh, someone who uh, did not quickly medicate kids. She didn't quickly give them uh, prescriptions. Most of the kids that she got was already on medication anyway. Her goal in treatment was to get kids to function off of the medication, all right? So she was, she was one of the best ones in the whole city, right? I sought her out, I went to her and I said, hey, uh, this is a situation. I got, I, we got all these kids and people asking me to help. I don't know nothing about this stuff. I said, would you educate me? And she said, sure. I said, okay, cool. I said, I, I, I want one, one day a month. Just give me two hours. One day a month, two hours. You come spend time with me, two hours. And I said, I can come to you or you can come to me. She said, I'll come to you. She would come to me once a month, sit down in my office and just teach me and educate me two hours. And then as I started learning, I started applying what she was teaching me to help to families, to help families with their children to manage, you know, the ADD and ADHD. So as this happened, I was like, okay, I said, I said, okay, listen, I need more help. I said, would you be willing to teach a class with our volunteers, our volunteers that work in the children's and youth ministry? I said, just come teach a class. So she came and she taught a class to them. It was so successful. It was so well retrieved. Our workers, our volunteers in children's ministry and youth ministry, they were begging for more. So we started doing more classes with them, right? The parents started hearing about this and the parents like, well, we want to come. Can we come to the class? We know it's for the volunteers, but we want to come to the class too because we feel that's some helpful information. We want it too. We're like, okay, well, let's, let's open up to the parents. So we opened up to the parents. So we got all these volunteers uh, and we got all these parents that are coming to these classes. This lady is teaching Helping kids, helping help people to understand, you know, the better equipped our youth ministry, our children's ministry volunteers, the better equipped parents on, on dealing with kids with ADHD, ADD and ADHD, right? 
So as this, this became more successful, and it, it, the word is getting out, not only in our church, it's getting out in the community. People from other churches are hearing about it. They're asking if they can come and participate and come to these classes when we're doing these classes. Other parents, they ain't even got kids with ADD and ADHD, but they got some kids with some discipline problems, right? So they'll, they figure, man, maybe those things can help us with our kids with discipline. They don't have ADHD, they don't have, they don't have this disorder or this gift, all right? But maybe these things can help out. Can we come to the class too? And I was like, oh, wow. This thing just kept growing. It kept growing to something, you know, just kept expanding. So we teamed up with this uh, guy he had ministry called Smart Disciplines. So I contacted him. I said, hey, we got a whole bunch of parents who want some classes on discipline. You know what I mean? Well, can you come over here and do these classes that you do? Do these workshops and things like that in our church with us? He said, yeah, come on. So we teamed up together. So we're providing now classes that uh, the helping parents and volunteers, not just in our churches, but in the community as well, to help them with their kids with ADD and ADHD. We're also providing parenting classes to help parents to smart discipline their kids and not just beat the heck out of them, you know what I mean? But smart discipline and, and it just kept growing. It just grew and grew and grew. How did that happen? It's happened because I, my heart got, my heart was broken. I, I, I developed a burden because I saw parents struggling with their kids trying to figure out what they can do. If this message was a blessing to you and you would like to support this ministry in a financial way, you can donate electronically by texting to 84321 and enter the dollar amount you'd like to donate in the message area. Or you can mail a check or money order to Crosstown Church of Memphis, P.O. Box 40981, Memphis, Tennessee 38104. We invite you to visit our website at www.wearecrosstown.com for more information about our church. Join us for our next broadcast next Sunday at 10 a.m. Be blessed and be better.